Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Welcome here to Seattle Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, Mike, and thank you for joining me on this amazing and historic, I should say historic, Friday. Um, uh, before we do begin the podcast, I want to say this. I want to congratulate and also say thank you to former President Barack Obama for his eight years of service. And uh, if I uh, get... Uh, if I get criticized on this, I mean, I, I get it. But uh, I do wish uh, Donald Trump good luck in his uh, service to our country as well. And I hope that he can uh, do his part in helping this country as well, almost as good as Barack Obama did. I will say that. And so we get off to politics, and now I'm going to be getting into sports now. Uh, today on the show, we are talking, of course, Seattle Mariners uh, spring training. Um, we'll get into that about uh, towards the end of the show, but we got a lot other. I, I've got a lot of other things to talk about, like especially um, the Seahawks, the, the situation with the Seahawks with Pete Carroll. Uh, we'll get. I'll get into that uh, at the beginning of the show. I'll also get into some of. Uh, uh, I'll also be getting into uh, University of Washington hoops and Lorenzo Romar's fate this upcoming year. Uh, also talking Seahawks, I'm also going to be talking about uh, potential free agents that we could pick up uh, in the offseason, including including one guy that we did let go earlier in the season uh, due to the fact that I don't think uh, Tom Cable really uh, cared for him uh, for some reason. I'm, I'm not sure why. 
and then finally, we're and then we're also going to be and then I'm also going to be talking about uh, some other news around the league as well. You know, not just uh, uh, football, but you know other uh, or excuse me, yeah, just around football, especially because we got a big news for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders will be moving to Las Vegas. And uh, I believe that the uh, relocate, and it says that the Ra- Raiders officially fired for paperwork to the NFL to relocate from Oakland to uh, Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, on January uh, 19, 2007. And so uh, we'll get in. I'll, I'll be getting into that later. I'm not going to be talking about it right now. But um, let's go ahead and talk Seahawks. Of course, I mean the Seahawks. They're just coming out of the off season, or they're just getting into the off season, and already the Seahawks are under a lot of uh, scrutiny talk, and it is because of Pete Carroll and the fact that he did not name Richard Sherman's injury to the list all season long. And apparently, let me go ahead and look this up. I need I need to make sure I've got my facts correct. That way, uh, that way, um. Uh, you know, people can't call me on that. But, yeah, so the Seahawks could possibly lose a second-round pick due to a non-disclosure of Richard Sherman's injury. And the injury was uh, a significant injury to his MCL. And uh, so Pete Carroll did tell the reporters after uh, the season that Sherman played the season with a, quote, significant, unquote, injury to his MCL. And uh, the quarterback and Richard never appeared on the injury report for the team. And Pete Carroll was quote saying, "I feel like I, I'm feeling like I screwed up on that one with not telling you that he was okay, so I don't know. He never missed anything. I guess that it, or he never missed anything. I guess is probably why it wasn't reported." Unquote. And so, this past Tuesday, Ian Rappaport reported that the NFL is going to be investigating the Seahawks' decision to keep inju- or Sherman's injury quiet throughout the season, and. If the NFL sees fit, the Seahawks could possibly lose their second-round pick. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. I mean, we can't, that's one pick we can't afford to lose. Every pick is crucial for the Seattle Seahawks, especially this upcoming season, because, I mean, if you lose your second-round pick, you lose a chance at picking another good uh, offensive lineman out of the draft. And so I'm starting to wonder what what kind of uh, what P. Carroll was really thinking because I looked up the rules and it is reported that it doesn't matter what kind of injury the player has, you still need to report it. So, but 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 I I do want to ask this though: Why did P. Carroll have to say that? You know Sherman was injured. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, let me see. So, uh, uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, so the Seahawks, they have, they've already been docked a fifth round pick in in this upcoming season's draft due to excessive contact in the off season workouts, uh, which was a violation that the team has been punished for now three times in the last five years, but. Uh, uh, 
If if the if the Sherman investigation results in a loss of the second round pick, the Seahawks will actually will likely get the fifth round pick back. So there's a little bit of positivity there. <laughs> Excuse me. But losing a second round pick, you know, during during the 2017 draft would not be good for the Seattle Seahawks because again, you want to, you you need every pick that you can get. And especially in a, in a draft class like this, because you got some good offensive linemen coming into the draft, and it's it, it just it just it's it's kind of weird to me that that this is that this happened, and oddly enough, I'm actually going to bring this up because I find this a uh, very uh, a little bit strange. But Russell Wilson last night apparently cleaned out his followers, and. The only person and the only people that were not unfollowed was his wife, his team, his two sisters, and the multiple sponsors uh, that spo- or, and the multiple companies that sponsor him. He unfollowed all of his teammates. So I'm trying to I'm trying to wonder what is kind of going on here. You know, something is. Something's something's a little fishy right now. I, I mean, I, I I'm not trying to think that there's something going on in the locker room. There's something going on with the team chemistry, but when one player, especially your star quarterback, unfollows all of his teammates, you know something something's not right. I I, I don't I don't like that. I I don't like that move by Russell Wilson, but someone said to me last night he's possibly just avoiding all the noise. On social media, especially with the with today's uh, with today's inauguration of Donald Trump, but I can see that. You know, not a lot of people are happy that Donald Trump is president. I mean, I, I'll say this on the air: I didn't vote. I mean, I didn't care for Donald Trump. I didn't care for Hillary Clinton. I'm not. I'm not going to say that. You know, I, what I did was right, but you know, I was well within my rights to not vote. But. Uh, Again, the this this second round pick though for the Seahawks, or excuse me, I'm getting off topic, but you know, the 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 fact that Pete Carroll hid Sherman's injury all season long, and now is and now is possibly going to and, and and again he's possibly costing the Seahawks a second round pick, and also the fact that. Russell Wilson has unfollowed his teammates. I mean, it is, this all seems kind of weird to me. I'm not understanding what's going on with the Seahawks right now because, I mean, I will say this. I mean, things things kind of seemed out of out of focus with with the Seahawks earlier this you know this season because I mean there was a lot of lot of uh, stuff going on on the sidelines. There was a lot of stuff going on in the locker rooms. I mean, guys were getting, you know, there was Richard Sherman blew up. He called out the, he called out Daryl Bevel and the coaching staff, and then he was having problems with the media. So something was up with the, something was up with this team this year. I mean, I'm not just gonna put 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 it on one player, but something was up with this team this year. But I'm kind of getting off a little. To- I'm kind of getting off topic here, but hmm. getting back to this. To this pick, uh, let me go ahead and see. Let's go ahead and look at the latest mock drafts for the 2017. And 
Let's see what we've got. Oh, oh man. Excuse me. I always enjoy looking up at the mock drafts because I, I, I do want to see who who people have, uh, you know, who people have us taking. And so the journey to the draft this is... is you. you enter the cricket wireless at ESPN bucket list for a chance to win a trip to one of the year's biggest sporting events. Hold on. Like this. There we go. I uh, don't know where that came from. But uh, right, uh, I'm looking at... I'm looking at the class right now, and, huh, so I'm looking at the mock draft. We've got Sidney Jones from Washington being uh, mocked for the 18th pick and John Ross for the 20th pick, so not bad so far. we got Buda Baker going in the 29th pick. So with the 26th pick, uh, we have a mock of of uh, Cam Robinson from uh, the offensive tackle from Alabama. I would love that pick. I, that's definitely going to be a good first-round pick for the Seahawks because, I mean, as, as as everybody knows, this team has struggled with the offensive line for years. But here's here's something that I want to bring up. Speaking of the offensive line, um, earlier last or yeah, last year, the Seahawks... Um, Okay, so never mind. So he, so we can't pick him up now anymore because he just he signed he signed with the Saints back last year. But uh, early last year, the uh, Seahawks signed Javari Evans to a one-year deal, and he was released at the end of preseason. Now, I, I I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm truly curious as to why or what went into Tom Cable's thought process into saying, you know, this guy is not going to fit our style. I want to know that. Because, uh, excuse me, this is just, this kind of baffles me. Why would you not think that a, you know, a six-time Pro Bowler a four-time All-Pro, first-team All-Pro, and a second-team all and a one-time second-team All-Pro wouldn't make a good, would not make a good addition to your team. I'm curious. And here's the thing. As of, okay, let me look at this up on football. Uh, sorry about this. <laughs> I need to get my stuff. I need to get my stuff straightened out before I even come on the air. I apologize for that. But Javari Evans, looking at his professional career, here's the thing: he has played 169 games. He has started every single game. So, this tells me in his 10-year career, in his 10-year career, um, he has never he's never missed a start due to injuries. There's only been two seasons in where he has not played a full season. That was 2005, where he played 11, 11 games, and 2013, where he played only 14 games. 
Every other season he played 16 games and started all of them. And so... And so, again, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why Daryl... Why, you know... Why John Schneider or whoever does make the decisions to release these players or why Pete Carroll or why Tom Cable did not think that this guy would fit well with the Seahawks. Because in my opinion, the Seahawks got away with a good steal there. I mean, they they got him for a one-year, I think, $3.5 million deal. And then they just outright released him after the preseason. Imagine if we actually had Javari Evans on this team uh this past year that could have that could have really helped out our offensive line a lot better i mean let's face it the offensive line right now as it is is not a is not really the one guy that stands out to me the most is Justin Britt Justin Britt is the only guy on the Seahawks offensive line that really stands out to me because he is a very he's done very well I mean, I'll give Cable that. He's Tom Cable's done very well with Justin Britt, but I'm not I'm not yet ready to praise Tom Cable for any for any other time. But Tom Cable has been with us for since the Super Bowl season, I believe. I think I said that on my last podcast. And and Tom Cable, by the way, uh, this was reported two days ago, but Tom Cable pulled out of the San Francisco 49er coaching search. So that's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. Um, so, yeah, so he's been with So Tom Cable has been the offensive line coach since 2011. And I just... I think the reason why Tom Cable gets so much praise from, you know, the other coaches is because of the fact of how good the running game used to be. Well, here's a news flash for you. The running game for the Seahawks is not as good as it used to be. Yes, we may have, you know, Thomas Rawls, but he's no Marshawn Lynch. I'm not going to say that Marshawn Lynch was all was all we had because we've had other players. But the fact of the matter is is that Tom Cable does need to go because over the past three years I've seen this offensive line struggle more and more and i'm not gonna put and i'm not and I'm not just gonna put blame on Tom cable I gotta put blame on Pete Carroll and John Schneider too because I mean. Look, when you don't when you just get rookies and free agents that you don't look at, but I but I'm but I'm assuming that they do look at these rookies and they look at the free agents that they go after, you know, and you only have a little time to train them up, you're not to get them into your system, that's not going to work. And especially and, and and again, I have to bring up this, George Fant. All right? I I you can say what you want about George Fant. You can tell me. You can say. You can come up to me and say. You know, George Fant was one of the better guys that we've had. I don't think he was. There was only one game, one game where he played extremely well, and that was during and that was during the New England Patriot game. I didn't see him. Com- make one bad move. I didn't see him miss one 
I didn't. He he just he protected Russell very well in that game, but I'm not going to go out and say that George Fan is one of the better offensive line guys that we have on this team because let's face it, it it's I don't think it's true. I don't think George Fant is a guy we need on this team, but they are going to keep him. They're going to they're, they're going to keep him no matter what. And the Seahawks have thirty five million dollars for free agency, and they didn't spend two million of it this year. So looking at what we have right now, and we have guys who are highlighted in. Okay, so. Let me see. Okay, so we have starters in bold on here. So we've got Justin Britt, George Fan, Gary Gilliam, Mark Glowinski, Jermaine Effetti. Those are your offensive linemen starting. Now, Bradley Sowell, he went down with an injury. I, I didn't didn't he go down with an injury? Yeah, yeah, he he was uh I I believe he I, no, he was yeah, he did go down with injuries and then uh he was benched in the fourth quarter against the Rams and then he was a healthy scratch. So I'm just saying this. I I would just take Sal over George Fan any day. And uh, it's kind of weird of how you know, look, I'm not I'm not a coach. I can't I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go ahead and say that I know what I'm talking about here because I, I look. To be truly honest, I really don't know what I'm talking about. I do and I don't. If that makes any sense. But what the Seahawks need to do this upcoming preseason, and I'm gonna go ahead and look this stuff. So let's go ahead and look at the 2017 free agents in the NFL. And let's see. So. Oh, do, 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 do. All right, so let's go ahead and look at our offensive linemen, shall we? And so we're going to look at all types of free agents. And the one guy that sticks out to me right now is Andrew Whitworth, but he's a 35-year-old, and he made $9 million last year. Now, I I, I want to know this. Do, 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 do you think that the Seahawks should take a chance on a 35-year-old? And I'll go ahead and look at look up his statistics. Um, do you think the Seahawks should take a chance with the three-time Pro Bowler, who, again, is 35 years old and has been in the NFL since 2006. Do you think the Seahawks should take a chance? Me? I, I say, you know what? Yes. Let's take a chance with him. He is a left tackle. So, I think that replaces George... No, that... No. I don't think that replaces George Fan. I think that would replace Gilliam. But I think that uh, if if you coach him up well, you could you could do a decent job at making him on the right side, I believe. So, there's one free agent you could do, but again, we're, we're not sure of how much money Andrew Whitworth would be asking for. So, we'll, so we'll go ahead and throw that off the table. Um, I'm and what I'm looking here for is experience. I really would look would look for experience. 
And, uh, okay, so Jari Evans is a free agent. Jari Evans is a free agent. Bradley Sal is a free agent. Um, so last year with New Orleans, he only made a million dollars. So he was making less money with the Saints than he was with the Seahawks. And, you know, I'm going to just go and let's go ahead and look at the poll that I took earlier last last night. And I decided to do a poll that said, uh, should the Seahawks go out and re-sign Jari Evans? And so the last time I looked, it was kind of half and half. Not a lot of people were on board for it. And I'm kind of curious as to why that is. Let's go ahead and look. So, and it's still, with ten votes with three hours and five minutes left on there, it's still even. So five people have said yes, five people have said no. Me, I'm all for it. I still think Jari Evans could really help out this team, and I still believe that he can, you know, do the job that is asked. Because... I mean, you you need experience. You you really do need experience with this offensive line. You're not going to get it from, you know, George Fant. You're not going to get it from, uh, you're not going to get it from Joey Hunt. I mean, Mark Lewinsky. Yeah, you're going to get you're going to get a little bit of from. Well, not really. Mark Lewinsky he was a rookie, but he only started one game last year. Uh, Reese Ode Ode Hembimba, Hembimba, uh, Reese Odie, uh, I I cannot pronounce his last name. I I'm I'm a little ashamed of that, but um, I'm not a big fan of his. Uh, Effetti Effetti has done very well. Not going to deny that. Jermaine Effetti was a very good pickup, and uh, but you know, again, you want you want to look for you want to look for good. You really want to look at the experience that guys have in the NFL. That could affect of how much is how much is getting paid, no doubt about it. Yeah, but you know, looking at the two guys that I just named, in Andrew Whitworth and Jari Evans, and both play different positions. One is a left tackle. The other is a. Uh, again, one one is a left tackle and the other is a guard. So, and combined, they only made ten million dollars last year. But what do you? But what are you willing to pay for these guys now? I mean, if Jari Evans, if Jari Evans is willing to sign for a million dollars, go out and sign him. I say, by all means, go out and sign him because you do need experience behind the up with the offensive line. There is no doubt about that. And Andrew Whitworth, I'm going to say this. Um, you got to see of how much teams are willing to spend. you got to see which teams are willing to spend more, which teams are truly in the market for a left tackle. Now, Sebastian Vault. Vollmer from the New England Patriots, he made uh, $4.1 million last year. Now, I will say this. Any guy you could get from the Patriots, especially if it's a tackle or an offensive lineman, I say go for it. I say go for it because 
that offensive line for the Patriots has been incredible. I'm going to say this. I've never seen a more better offensive line, except for this year's uh, Cowboys offensive line, than the Patriots. Because the Patriots, they seem to just, they seem to do it right. They seem to know who is, they seem to really train their guys up well. And you don't see the New England Patriot guys, especially the offensive line, make a crucial uh tell me uh, uh crucial mistakes especially especially in the penalty especially with penalties you don't see them do that and and so i got to give uh you know, dante scarnicia i think that's i think that's what his name is dante scarnicia <laughs> um Oh, and funny enough, get this, he was uh, rehired as the offensive line co- coach on uh, my birthday last year. So funny, uh, how about that? That's funny. Um, so he's been the offensive line coach, the head, the assistant head coach, offensive... So he's been the offensive line coach since 1999. That tells you something. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He truly does know what he's doing, and and I got to give him some credit. If you've been with the t- if you've been with the team since '99, and you're the offensive line coordinator, and all you do is just produce good offensive linemen, I'm going to give you my thumbs up. Bottom line. So again, we should definitely go out and get offensive linemen. And especially, and especially Sebastian Vollmer, I'll go ahead and look him up. Let me go ahead and see this real quick. And uh, and uh, oddly enough, so he's been with this. So he's been with the Patriots since 2009. He has played 88 games and started 80 of them. So how about that? You know. And hey, look at this. He's uh, he is German. He was born in uh Kerst, Karst, Germany. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh anyway, uh yeah, I mean I mean, so this is this is definitely uh we should definitely consider getting getting this guy. I mean, you know, what else what else do you what else are you looking for? You definitely so let's go down some of the uh, some of the other guys uh for the free agents for this upcoming year. Uh let's see. You definitely would be looking for a new cornerback. Now, uh, looking at the cornerbacks that are that are on the free agent market, uh we've got Brandon Carr and uh Tremaine Johnson. But do you want to spend between between ten million and thirteen and near fourteen million dollars for one player, and then you're down to twenty one million in the in the free agent. What's left of your free agent money? I mean, I think we should. I think we should consider. I think we should consider replacing Jermaine, Jeremy Lane because I mean, let's face it, he's not the, one of the greatest guys to have played for us. 
And also, I forgot, T.J. Lang for the Packers is a free agent as well, and he's a guard, so you could definitely use someone like him. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm looking down the, the, this list, and, you know, we've got also Matt uh, Khal- Khalil from Minnesota who made – near $5 million a year. He was a left tackle, too. I mean, go out and sign some of these, you know, cheap guys. But especially Vollmer. I'm very curious. I'm very, very interested to see if they can go out and sign Sebastian Vollmer. I mean, if the Patriots don't re-sign him, which I'm kind of hoping, keeping my fingers crossed that they don't, so that way the Seahawks can go out and sign him, you know, it's worth a shot. It's always worth a shot to go out and sign these guys. And I've been getting off topic here. I've been talking about, you know, going out and getting offensive line, but I I'm, I'm still try- I still haven't talked about this situation with Pete Carroll. And really all I can say about this situation with Pete Carroll is that I think it's, you know, pretty messed up. I don't have a real good professional opinion about it because I don't know the full de- I haven't I haven't looked at the full details about it. But from what I'm hearing is that Pete Carroll uh withheld information of course but about Richard Sherman's MCL a significant surgery to Sherman's MCL and he was supposed to say that he was injured that he was injured all season long he was supposed to put it on the injury report after practice he said, you know, I don't think it really matters. I didn't think it would have affected it affected anything since he played all season long, but, you know, now the NFL is considering on taking our second round pick and clearing out all, everything that I've just looked at. Looking at what we've got for the second round pick, I want to see what we, what, see if people are, see. If they're saying if anything about the uh, second round, no, they're just they're just saying the first round. But thing definitely things are not looking good right now for the Seahawks. I mean, things could get incredibly dicey, and th- I just hope the situation passes by without us losing a pick. Hopefully it just gets hopefully the worst that we have to do is just um is pay a fine. I would I would love it if we could just pay a fine and that would be it because I mean really you kind of can't afford you can afford to lose a little bit of money. You can afford to lose money. I have to say that because, you know, are you? What are you more willing to lose? Are you willing to lose? Are you willing to lose money, or are you willing to lose your draft pick? And a big pick, and and it's a, and it's a big pick, nonetheless. Me, I'm willing to lose. I'm willing to lose money. I don't want to lose this pick. Yes, I'm not on the team, but I really, truly don't want to lose this second-round pick, which could be tremendously huge. 
to the Seahawks. Because I get, because I bet you, because chances are that if things go the way the fans, us fans, want it to go, we'll just lose. Uh, we'll we'll just lose. Uh, we'll lose a little bit of money, and we'll still be able to draft two offensive lines in the first two picks. So hopefully that that pans out for us. You know, this whole situation with the Seahawks, it's just getting out of hand. And Bradley Sal, I almost forgot to mention, Bradley Sal went on a raid, on a rant the other day. And let me go ahead and pull it up. And here we go. Hang on a second. Let's see, where is it? And... All right, so uh, Bradley Sal replied to uh, Curtis Crabtree's tweet yesterday saying, report Seahawks could lose the second-round pick for failing to disclose Richard Sherman's knee injury. And Sal tweeted back out saying, what's new? Seahawks are watched with a microscope. I could tell the difference right away compared to my previous teams. Uh, I knew something was different when I got three holding calls in a game and only had gotten three total in the previous four years. OTAs in Seattle were by far the easiest slow and slowest I've ever been a part of, yet still get watched and in trouble for stuff. You know, he does have a point. He's got a tremendous point. I'm going to take a quick short break and I'll come back and I'll come back and talk about of Bradley Sal's comments and how the Seahawks are possibly one of the few teams in the NFL that gets watched. Because, I mean, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and talk about it now. I'll take a break. I'll take a break after I talk about this. But in my opinion, the Seahawks are targeted. And what I mean by targeted is the NFL, especially Roger Goodell, just fi- just wants to find any excuse to jump on our butts. It's not fair. It really is not fair that he looks at us in that way. I don't know if he truly does look at uh, us at that way, but, you know, it it just seems like that. Because it seems like if a Seahawk was to do something wrong, they'll get fined for it. But if a player does the same thing, the commissioner will look a different way. And it's the same thing that happens on the field, too. Because let's go, let's look back at the at the when the Seahawks played the Saints. The fact that you know uh, that pass interference call was called on Jermaine Lane, and the same thing happened in the divisional round against the Falcons um, with that block on Julio with the block for Julio Jones on, or with the block on Jeremy Lane. That was a pass interference. It wasn't called. But I guarantee you this: if the Seahawks did that, that they would have gotten called for it. I'm not trying to sound like a like a big whiner here. I'm not trying to sound like that, but it but it's pretty but it's pretty you know it truly looks like the NFL is against the Seahawks. And it's kind of been like that now for the past I want to say 3 years. I say 3 years because let's face it, I mean we uh, the penalties that we got when we were the most penalized team in the NFL, that was that was truly on us. Those were good penalties. They were called correctly. 
But some of these penalties that are called this year are just ridiculous. And here's the thing. If we cause a penalty, nobody talks about it. But if something is not called on us, then people want to just blow it out of proportion. A good example is that penalty on Richard Sherman against the Falcons earlier this year on Julio Jones. But here's the th- And here's the thing. All people want to do is talk about us. They don't want to talk about how Julio Jones pushed off. They don't understand that if both players were called for a flag, or excuse me, if both players were flagged, the play would have been offset, the play would have been replayed. Then people want to say, oh, uh, Paul Richardson had a face mask on uh, the Lions uh, guy. That, That touchdown should be taken off the board. Okay, go ahead and take the touchdown off the board. We still win 19 to 6. And then, you know, here's the thing. Uh Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett, they get held inc- incredibly. A lot of people don't see it, but I do see it. I see it a lot. Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill, especially Cliff Averill, they get held a lot. And the refs are not there to sh- the refs are not there to call it. And the same, but the, but it's different with when the Seahawks are on the offense because it, if the Seahawks hold, the refs will see it. If we're if the Seahawks defensive players are held, they won't see it. I mean, they rarely do. It's getting to the point to where you watch a game and every flag that you see on the field, you're saying, "Yep, that's on us." Yep, that one's on us. Oh, that's got to be a holding penalty. Oh, that's got to be a false start. And then when you find out that it's not on us, you're just like, whoa, holy crap. That flag wasn't on us? And it's just, and it, and here's the thing. I'm going to say this right now. It's not just the Seahawks that get that treatment. It's certain teams in the NFL. I, I just it, The Cowboys, they don't get a lot of those calls. I think that the NFL truly is against the favored teams. But when it comes to the underdog, they will they they'll they'll let them slide a bit. It's been it's been kind of that's just the way I see it. And it's just the way that I'm that I'm paying attention when I watch games that, you know, Things, I mean, it's, it's just very fishy to me. I mean, that holding call uh, on Kansas City against the Steelers. I mean, even Walter Jones came out and said that that wasn't a holding call. And you know, when 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 an NFL offensive lineman comes out, a retired a retired Hall of Famer comes out and says that it wasn't. It it, poss- it probably wasn't. And the same referee who called that penalty is actually being is going to be one of the referees in the Super Bowl this year. And uh sorry about this. But uh, uh oh my gosh. <laughs> I just had a total brain fart for a second. But yeah, I mean the the fact of the matter is that 
teams in the NFL, certain teams get away with calls. Some, most teams don't get away with calls. And the Seahawks are just one of those teams that don't get away with calls. They will... I mean, the Seahawks truly can't even play football for... I mean, it seems like the Seahawks couldn't even play football because of the fact that... The fact that... uh, Tell me... uh, the fact that the fact that we are so penalized, it's getting to the point where we where it's not even going to be fun to watch games anymore. Not just for the Seahawks, but others, but other football teams too. I mean, there's a lot of calls that go to uh, teams that you know other teams wouldn't even get that call. It's becoming sad, and the NFL needs to do something about it. I, I I truly this truly needs to be addressed because it's getting old. It's getting real old to see this stuff. But uh, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a break right here. And when I come back, and when we and when I come back, we'll go ahead and talk about uh, the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. And my thoughts and my opinions on that will also get into, and I'll also be getting into uh, the University of Washington basketball program. I just started watching games again. Um, it's been tough for me to watch them lately. And then we'll also, and then I'll also get on uh, the Mayor's spring training as well. So take a quick break and be right back.
And we are back here on Seattle Sports Talk Podcast. And interestingly enough, I'm not going to be talking about a uh, Seattle topic right now, but I'm going to be talking about just a big topic in the NFL that just happened yesterday, and it was the the fact that the Oakland Raiders are now moving to Las Vegas. And I'm going to say this. I think it's crap. I don't think that it was the right thing to do. Excuse me. I'm gonna. I, I'm not happy with this. I'm not happy with the move because the fact of the matter is, is that uh, the fact the fact that uh, that one of the NFL's most greatest organizations and most oldest organizations, excuse me, who has a long-standing history in California, is now moving to Las Vegas because the fact of the matter is that the that that the league won't even help them with with. With a with tell with with a stadium, you know. I mean, they're going to get a new stadium. They're going to get a new stadium. But until until they. Uh, until they get the new stadium, they got to play at the Coliseum uh, next year in 2018. But it really does suck to see the fact that that the Oakland Raiders are leaving California. I'm not a Raider fan, and I'm even and I'm and I'm unhappy about this. It, it's not fair. It is not fair to the city of Oakland. It's not fair to the fans. Excuse me, and it's just, and it's not fair to the, it's not fair to just to, to just basically take a team and move them. And uh, this was just posted, and I'm going to get off topic real quick. But this was just posted. But I'm looking, I'm going to go ahead and retweet this. But. Apparently Brady, or excuse me, Jadavian Clowney was fined $18,000 for sacking Tom Brady. Just for sacking him. I'm official, I'm done. Roger Goodell is just... This is why I have I don't really have even I have little respect for Tom Brady because he is the most because I mean you're finding Davian Clowney eighteen grand for for sacking him I mean okay so he was fine for dragging in a, uh, Tom Brady to the ground. Uh, 
And it says uh, Brady got up and was furious with the lack of the call by officials. Now, see, right there, that shows what I was saying earlier. That is proven that refs favor teams, and the refs are favoring Brady. I don't like that. That real, I'm truly holding down my emotions right now because that steams me up. That really upsets me at the fact that the NFL – protects Brady, and babies him like that. I mean, do people realize that Tom Brady is a 39-year-old man? He does not need to be babied. He does not need to be protected. But he, or excuse me, he does need to be babied. He needs to have a pacifier in his mouth because, I mean... What? <sighs> it's just baffling to me. It ba- it baffles. It just it's just baffling to me that that the NFL goes out of their way to protect Brady like that, and the fact that you know he gets they get fined for actually playing. It's pathetic. Uh, getting back on the LA Raiders, you know. I really hope that the that the Raiders can get a team back. That the that the Raiders can can keep this can keep this team in Oakland and return them to Oakland soon. Because let's face it, I mean, the Oakland Raiders, I mean, the Raiders are not the Raiders. The Raiders are not the Raiders in Las Vegas. I mean, hell, even the NHL's not the, not the NHL in Vegas. The fact that you know, Las Vegas has gotten a team. Two teams in the past year. And Seattle has yet to get an NBA team or an NHL team is beyond me. To me, Las Vegas is not a sports city. It's a gambling city. It's a sports gambling city, but it's definitely not a sports city. I mean, where are you going to put the, where are you going to put the where are you going to put the 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 stadium out in the desert? I mean, sure, people. Here's the thing: people from Oakland they'll drive over to Vegas to, you know, to watch the Raider game. I'll understand that, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me for Las Vegas to have you know an NHL team and now an NFL team. Excuse me. And it's just. It's just very, very peculiar. It truly does not make a lot of sense to me. It honestly doesn't. But you know what? Whatever. That's that. And, uh... What else are we going to talk about? Oh, we got an NBA or excuse me, uh, UW hoops to talk about. So watch the game. I watched the game the other night with uh, UW in Colorado. Uh, wasn't really that impressed. I'm glad that we won, but I was not the. I was very disappointed in the team itself because UW's D is very soft. And when I look at the offense, all I'm seeing is. 
one guy play, really. And that's Mark and that's Markel Fultz. And the other four guys that are playing with him are just standing around looking at him say, saying, Oh, what do we do? Are we supposed to just we we need you to we need you to, to, to score. You know, I mean Markel Fultz nearly scored half of the team's points flat the other night. He had thirty seven, a career high. But I'm starting to I'm starting to wonder of just really how long Lorenzo Romar has really made or or just truly amazed of how far Lorenzo Romar has has come. Because let's go ahead and look at this. Um so excuse me. So I'm going to name off these guys that have come that have come from uh, from UW that are in the NBA. Tony Roten, C.J. Wilcox, Isaiah Thomas, Brandon Roy, Terrence Ross, Nate Robinson, Quincy Pondexter, Justin Holliday, Spencer Hawes, and John Brockman. I'm going to say this. Terrence Ross and Tony Roten made a big mistake in not staying another year at, uh, tell me, at uh, at UW. And Terrence Ross did the same thing. And both of them, both of them are just... Uh, I, I haven't seen him do anything really. Tony Roten was a, was a god awful shooter. I will say that. But imagine this: imagine if uh, Dejounte Murray, excuse me, I almost forgot Dejounte Murray. But imagine if Murray actually stayed with this program and actually stayed another year to play with Markel Fultz. And then imagine this: imagine if Markel Fultz. And Murray stayed for their senior years, I believe, and played with Michael Porter Jr. See, the fact is is that money talks. Money talks dramatically, and what these kids get into their minds when they go into when they're when they're when they're when these guys are big, I mean, look. Here's the thing. I knew Markel Fultz. I I just knew Markel Fultz was going to go into the NBA after this year. So there was no doubt in my mind. I mean, if he actually says that he's going to stay one more year, I would consider the fact that hell is frozen over. And I'm sorry to say, but we're not going to get on Mariners spring training talk just yet. We'll just, we'll wait another we'll wait another couple weeks before we can actually uh, talk about that because we'll 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 hype it up a little bit because we'll. Uh, what I'm going to try to do, I'm sorry I'm getting off topic, is try to get some interviews at uh, FanFest. Let's see if I can do that. But getting back to what I was saying is that uh, uh, excuse me, is that 
you know, these kids, these kids nowadays, all they want, if they're a big time, you know, top ten, you know, college recruit coming into their first year in college, you know that they are not staying one full season, or you know they are not staying another year. And it, it just it it kind of gets me. It kind of gets me that um, it kind of gets me that you know why are these kids not considering? Look, I get look 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 look. Here's the thing. I get that they want to go for the money. I I have no disrespect towards that, but they should also consider that. If they stay, you know, maybe the extra year, they can also produ- they can help develop their skills as as well. I mean, let's face it, Dejounte Murray when he first uh, when he first uh, went into the draft, I told myself that he was going to be the next Tony Roten because it was it was kind of a really bad showing. He, he wasn't the best shooter. He definitely was not one of the best shooters all around. Now, let me go ahead and look at the roster from last year. So, uh, Marquise Crisp, or yeah, Marquise Crisp and Dejounte Murray both went into the draft and stayed one year at UW. Dominic Green stayed. Noah Dickerson stayed. David Chris, I, w- I was so happy to hear that Chris actually stayed. But, and then the recruitment class, of course, let's go ahead and show. The recruitment class was Markel Fultz, as of, uh, as always. But, again, face the facts, Mar- uh, Markel Fultz is not staying another year. He's gone after this year. And it's a little upsetting, because... Uh, these kids, these kids were these kids these kids are good, and you know some of these kids are smart. They stay they stay the extra year to possibly win a national title, like some of the like well especially with the guys that are at you know Kentucky or Kansas. They know they got a chance at a title, but when you're at a but when you're at a school like UW, in which you know that you are going to that you're not really going to commit that you're not really going to have a chance at anything you might as well leave if you're one of the best recruits to come in now getting on Lorenzo Romar he's had so much talent at his disposal you know Terrence Ross uh Foltz he's had he's now going to have Michael Porter he's he had Andrew Andrew I mean all of these guys and here's the thing last year I thought it was going to be a turnaround for the Huskies I really did think last year was going to be a huge turnaround for this team. Because this team at one point was 13 and 5. And here's the thing, after they were 13 and 5, they went 6 for 10 in their last 16 games. And here's the bad part. 
Most of those, and the reason why they lost a lot of those games was because of shoddy defense. I've said it before, and I will say it again. Lorenzo Romar is a terrible in-game coach. He can't coach this team very well. He used to be able to. He really did. He really used to be able to coach this team very well, but he can't do it anymore. And people have said, are you willing to part ways with... uh, Are you willing to part ways with Lorenzo Romar and blow your shot at Michael Porter Jr.? Yes. I will say it right up right up front, man. I'm willing to do it. Because it's incredibly frustrating to see this team struggle the way it does and continue to embarrass itself. Under under coach Romar's under Coach Romar. Coach Romar has given has been given so much talent. The only time that I really thought that the that the Huskies had a good chance at the national title was Brandon Roy's last year. And Brandon Roy, here's the thing, he could have gone into the NBA earlier. He could have really gone to the NBA a lot earlier than expected, but he chose to stay for he chose to stay at UW for his entire college career. The same the same goes with Isaiah Thomas. You know, Isaiah Thomas he stayed till his junior year and then he declared for the NBA. So I could understand that. I mean, if you choose to skip your senior year and go into the NBA, you know, I'm fully I, I you know I can support that. But I don't like I don't support guys that just go one and done. It's not right. I mean, at least stay for two years. But again, the money is too great. Money talks and the money talks to them and says. Hey, you know what? This is an opportunity for you to take care of your families, you know, secure is you know, get financial security. But again, you know, I I'm just I'm just talking I think I'm just talking out of my out of my keister right now. But what I really want to say to end this podcast is that I think that the Huskies need to give up Lorenzo Romar and risk losing Michael Porter Jr. And that is all I am going to be saying. And I will say this, uh, no podcast for the next few... I'm going to say this, no podcast for the next couple... I want to say maybe the next two weeks or so, but we're... but we're Because I wanted to see if I can get a couple guys from the Mariners at FanFest to come on to the show. And if not, I can want to see if I can get an interview with them and actually put them on the podcast and put together a really good Mariners special for you guys. But I will say this. I have enjoyed this hour and five-minute talk of sports. And I hope you guys join me next time I'm on the air. So this is Mike bidding you so long, and I'm going to say go Mariners. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.